Since the dawn of time, mankind has searched for ways to shelter themselves from the elements. Over the centuries, these shelters have evolved from bamboo huts to concrete towers. The last few years, there's been a push to save the planet. Are you ready to embark on a more sustainable lifestyle? Look no further. You're about to enter the adventures of container home living. And now, contractor, radio and TV personality, and your host for Boxcar Universe, Steve Dubell. Hi, I'm Steve Dubell, host of Boxcar Universe, along with my co-host Mel Alva. And here's what's coming up on this week's edition of Boxcar Universe. Shara Terry is here from Berkshire Hathaway's Home Services. And if you know anything about real estate, you know the name Berkshire Hathaway. And uh, Shara is actually going to give us some insight into the real estate market and trends of 2024. Here we are in first quarter, as well as a very unique sale of a custom DIY container home that she was involved in with the sale uh, several months ago. Also, uh, as you know, we do our segment, Mel and Steve on the street. Well, last night it was Steve on the street and we were in downtown Phoenix. And uh, for those of you who are unaware of the area or have never been here at all, there is a uh, restaurant called the Churchill down on First Street, downtown Phoenix, not too far from uh, the ballpark. And this restaurant was built with shipping containers and uh, and some conventional construction. And they were having a Valentine's Day event down there. So I had gone down and spoke to several different people down there. And for all you online people who love to get their news from Facebook, Make sure you go online and look up Boxcar Universe. You will see some pictures, some videos about uh, what I saw, where I am, what I was doing. And then also, you can also find it on my personal Facebook page for Steve Dubell. So it was a very interesting evening. and just goes to show you and uh, that there are a lot, a lot of different uses for shipping containers and the d- design of a building which I think you'll find very interesting when you see some of the pictures of the outside of the Churchill. Uh, one of the containers were t- was turned on end, and they, uh, I can envision they used a plasma cutter and cut this scroll artwork into it and used the sides of the container as they, they uh, when they got hot, they, you know, swelled and moved and bent. And it, it looks like one big creative piece of artwork a container sitting on end. So if you are a fan of shipping container homes, you've got to check this out. Make sure if you are in the Phoenix area, make sure you go down to the Churchill. You get some great food down there, uh, some great shops down there, and it's a great place uh, for an afternoon uh, cocktail during happy hour. And I know Colin would be down there if he wasn't here with me right now, right? He's laughing. Okay, well, let's get started today with uh, with today's show. Shara Terry is here with us from Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And Shara, first time at Boxcar Universe. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Steve and Colin. Appreciate it. You know, this is um, it. It's an interesting time, especially the way the market is. Um, and I think 
judging from the realtors that I've spoken to, everybody has a different take on the condition of the market. But let's get into that in a minute. But tell our listeners a little bit about you and Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. Well, I am a native of Phoenix, uh, born and raised around the Central Corridor. And I've been in real estate now about 18 years. So I've seen the market come up. I've seen it go down. I saw the huge um, bubble, if you will, when everyone and their brother was buying a home um, in 2005, 2006. And then the crash. And then the big, then the world ended. <laughs> then the world ended. So yes, that was uh, quite the quite the scene of walking into homes, and it was either short sales or bank owned homes, and um, they were all over the place, and you just never knew what you're going to walk in and see. And that had to put a tremendous strain on you as a realtor, when especially when people, not just emotionally, but you know, financially for them, and as for you because. You know, everybody is, I mean, you know, I even had property up in Rio Verde that I had some land that I had a short sale and would, and, you know, thank God there was somebody there to buy it. But, you know, as the world was crumbling away and now all of a sudden you realize what's going to happen, am I going to get stuck with this property? And then it comes down to a, you know, a dollars and cents thing. And then you've just got to turn around and say, you know, it's just short sale or just walk away. Right. That had to be tough to go through. It was tough. And if you think about the the craziness of the market before the crash, um, I think a lot of it was people who were just buying uh, multiple homes and they were really investment properties because you can only live in one home. That's right. You only have one occupant home. But they were getting loans and the banking industry was basically giving you anything you wanted to if you could fog a fear, you know, and it was stated <laughs> income. Yeah. You could literally come and say, I am a heart surgeon making 250, 350,000 a year. And they'd be like, okay, here's a loan. I don't need to see anything. So there was a lot of false population. Um, for every one person, you had, f- say, five homes. So that was false population. Sure. So the building couldn't keep up with five five homes for every one person. So, uh, yeah, we had a lot of rooftops. And then when everything kind of crumbled, banks were going upside down. They were not even knowing where the notes were held. And so... The, uh, the banks were foreclosing, but they also had the Department of Short Sales. And unfortunately, the short sale department doesn't communicate with the bank-owned department. So here you have a valid contract ready to go before it goes to foreclosure, and it forecloses anyway. And you've just wasted six months, seven months, even 12 months waiting for a short sale to happen, and it foreclosed anyway. Yeah, is that is that typical? That, that happened that then, The left hand now. isn't talking to the it's right hand? It's two different departments. And yeah. um, a lot of times, again, the people who were buying were, not to confuse things, but they were getting an 80-20 loan, meaning 80% down was with the first servicer, and then the 20%, so they didn't have to pay mortgage insurance, was the second. And that's in second position. So mm-hmm. when you go into a short sale, you have to get the approval of the first, and the first has to pay the second, so the second has to approve. So it's mm-hmm. a very lengthy process, and these poor underpaid and overworked workers we're having just file after file after file. Well, heaven forbid you get up and go to a, a coffee break and you set a file down, that's gone. You know, so you have a, a stacks of files oh for God. short sales. And, you know, everyone's calling in saying, where am I? I've been waiting three months. Where am I? I'm waiting four months. Try to keep a buyer alive for that amount of time is long. Yeah, I it's bet. long. So, yeah, then again to, for, to foreclosures. And these bank-owned homes, um, when you were walking into them, again, they they were doing some crazy things. And you just didn't know if it was a investor who had a renter in there. Um, Half the time, if you were renting the house, you would pay your rent to the landlord and the landlord wasn't making that money to the mortgage. 
So they were just pocketing it, and then the foreclosure happened anyway. So you had a lot of angry, very, you know, disruptive people. They were losing their jobs. I mean, it was just a crash. So, yeah, there are some stories that I'm sure a lot of us agents could talk about, uh, about that that crash era. Um, I mean, there was just, people were stealing air conditioning units right and left. And oh, it wasn't yeah. even worth that much. I mean, you almost want to leave like a tape of 20 and say, take this and leave that. You know, because well, yeah, no, they were taking, yeah, they were taking the copper, co- copper, copper was big. The people go in and they, at night and they go in and strip the house out of all the copper mm-hmm. and then they just go sell it. And then meanwhile, I mean, what does that leave you as yeah. far as the, the house goes? Right. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's bad. I think the worst one I ever saw, Steve, was a, and it was a, a tri-story home on uh, a cul-de-sac. So it was a nice, nice lot size, nice property. And they had stolen the countertops, the cabinets, which is common. They stole um, the toilets, the medicine cabinets. They stole the fireplace from the living room. So you could literally walk in and see from inside to the backyard. There was just a hole. Really? All, everything was gone. Huge holes in the walls for the copper. Um, they unplugged every single outlet. Who has the time? Because that's like 99 cents. And all throughout this huge house. Oh, jeez. Gone. And the carpets, I mean, they ripped up carpet. They they took tile. This house was just stripped. destroyed. Stripped. Stripped. Completely oh, stripped. My, oh, and you didn't know. Was it the was it the owner that did it because they were angry that it got foreclosed on? Was it squatters? I walked into a lot of houses that were no utilities on in the middle of Arizona summer. <laughs> And there were jugs of, of water and toothbrushes and toothpaste. So there were squatters. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You had no idea what you were walking in on. You know, and, <laughs> and that's funny too, because, you know, I looked at a property this morning and it, it's it's in an area of Scottsdale, but it's around Thomas and 68th Street. Mm-hmm. But it's some of those older one story homes that were probably were built back in the 50s mm-hmm. or 60s. Mm-hmm. And it, it was. One of the homes that obviously needs a, a complete makeover, but th- you know, I had been there a couple of times, and I walked in this morning with one of the subcontractors to to take a look at a few things with him, and then all of a sudden, what do I see in one in one room, the bedroom? The screen is cut open and the windows open. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it wasn't like that the last time I was there, and surely I don't think anybody would if it was inside looking at something would have cut the screen open. And then we actually, then we found another window with the same thing. So there's gotta be squatters here. And with the influx of all the migrants coming from Mexico, I think it's so much more important that wherever you have a property, you better make sure that it's under lock and key. Right. And you can tell the ones that have just been abandoned. I mean, the weeds are growing and you're like, no one's been there. There's no activity. So. Well, yeah, yeah. this house had, this house had, you know, they had, they had done a demo back in December. So they pulled out, it was a one story. They pulled out all the appliances. They're all hanging outside in, in the patio area on concrete, but the gates are not locked. So I'm surprising that they, somebody hasn't come by in and, you know, just taken it. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, but I just, I don't think they, they're they're old white appliances. So I don't think anybody wants them. The avocado green it, isn't coming it's, back. <laughs> it's the style. It's the yeah. style and the color that's just yeah. not appealing to them. Well, luckily we're past those days, and most houses that you see with a dumpster outside is getting remodeled or you know getting ready to list and and be pretty. Yeah. Buyers today just they don't they don't want the projects anymore. No, I, I yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. So, what do you see in trends? You know, the way things are here, we are in in twenty twenty four, and the way the the interest rates are. 
Well, let me back up a little bit because we came out of um, a huge seller's market where buyers were probably beaten up for the last two and a half years. And our, our kind of peak was May of 2022. And that's when we started seeing, um, I mean, just offers written thousands over list price and still missing out. Um, buyers had to waive inspections. They had to waive appraisal contingencies. I mean, it was just, it was a crazy market and it was really hard for buyers. They got really beaten up. Then once the, the market corrects itself, which it always does, in this, in this case, something had to stop the freight train because affordability was getting out of, out of control. And buyers were like, I can't go up against 10, 15, 30 multiple offers and, and, and win, especially if I'm not cash. Exactly. So the freight train stopped by interest rates rising. And um, again, with markets, um, it tends to correct itself. I mean, housing is kind of a slow boat, but it does have a ripple effect on a lot of different industries. And even though we as real estates, I kind of say like we see the red light first and a lot of the media and a lot of the um, buyers and sellers see it after they've passed through a lot of red lights and they finally see the green. So we have these indicators there's lagging indicators and there's forward indicators that you kind of look to predict and not really predict, but forecast what the trends are. So we saw this slight decline in May of 2022. That was our hard stop, but we started seeing the trends coming. The rest of the world sees it in November, December. You're listening to Boxcar Universe. Hi, I'm Steve Dubell from Ideal Home Improvement. The uncertainty of our economy is very troublesome. Interest rates are rising and inflation is high. The utility cost of energy is forever rising. The good thing is that we as homeowners can do something about our energy bill right now and in the future. Solar energy is literally the best investment you can make at this moment and the most likely to steady your finances through uncertain times. Think about this. If you could have locked down the cost of your energy bill 10 years ago, would you have done it? I think your answer would be yes. Think of the savings you could be enjoying right now as your neighbors who don't have solar are at the mercy of the utility companies. Let Ideal Home Improvement review your energy bill and see what a solar system on your home can do for your family and budget. Just give us a call at 602-332-6203 or email us at steve at idealhomeimprovementaz.com. Let me help you start saving today. Stardust Building Supplies is your home improvement thrift store. Find salvaged and gently used cabinetry, doors, windows, appliances, lighting, plumbing, and much more. Save money, be green, and support the community. Shop and donate at Stardust Building Supplies Valley locations. For more info, visit stardustbuilding.org. Hi, I'm John Weisbach, co-host of FYI Network's hit TV show, Tiny House Nation. Now, people all over the country are downsizing, and tiny homes are all the big rage. But remember, even tiny homes need repairs, and left unattended, those tiny problems become big problems. Don't let that happen to you. Know what makes your home tick. And we are back, and you're listening to Boxcar Universe right here from the beautiful and palacious Boxcar Studios here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. 
Bashar is here with us from Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. So interest rates rising definitely stopped and halted a lot of people. They couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah, it got to be right. And not only with with homes, I know that one that one period of time, you know, I was I was giving, you know, I was figuring I was in between homes, so to speak. I'm still in between homes, but I, I can help I, you. I, 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 <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that. Just say. We'll talk about that. No, but seriously, um, when we were talking about what was what was before and then when all this started happening with the rates going up and everything else and multiple bids, it wasn't just in the home buying, but it was also in the rental properties. Mm-hmm. In the the rental rates, I can't remember the percentage, but it has gone up unbelievably. And then you still have multiple bids for rental properties, mm-hmm. which was unheard of years ago. I mean, who who ever heard of like like renters? wanting to outbid somebody else just because they needed a place to stay. That never used to happen. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden I'm like sitting here looking, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Even if, even if all these things, and I think I went up against a couple of them that were like eight people looking to rent this one, three bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rental property. And it's like, if there was one little thing wrong, you were out right. in, in, in your, in your history, because why would why would the other, why would the seller want to be able to go or sell something to somebody that had maybe uh, one uh, imperfection where they could sell it to one of the people that gave you a bid and they have they have you know perfect perfect history. It's so a risk it, factor. It, it's a risk factor. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, it, like you say, it gets to be very very frustrating. And I think a lot of people during that time, as we came through COVID and stuff. They had problems with, you know, they, their credit, their credit rating went in the tank mm-hmm. in a lot of different people. So that even made it harder for people to buy homes and it still created a problem in, in, with, with rentals. But, you know, I think rentals were a little bit easier to be able to deal with because you could always, you know, with a rental, you know, I don't know how many people I've spoken to, like where I live now. Well, it's not just one person. It's two people. They went in on the rental property. One pay one guy pays nine hundred, the other guy pays a thousand, and they're paying like nineteen hundred. But thinking about where we go forward, okay, if I'm gonna go spend nineteen hundred dollars a month in rent, and I could go find a house and I have the flexibility of getting one, I'd rather. Of course, I want the house. Right, and we've always kind of looked at the rent versus buy scenario. Everyone's got their own situation. Granted, yeah. you know, um, but literally, if you can buy. Um, in, in any market, but even in today's when we're kind of getting out of the seller's market and a little bit back into it slowly, 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 um, even though the interest rates are high, we're getting creative of what you can do. And so the same amount of square footage for a rental property versus a home, you may pay a little bit higher right now at an interest rate, but everyone knows you're going to refinance in a few years. Yeah. We're not going to be here forever. No, absolutely. So when you yeah. rent, you literally are just throwing money out the window. Yeah. There's no, and I'm not I'm not cutting down anybody renting, so please don't get me wrong. But there's no pride of ownership. You can't paint the walls purple if you want to. You you know you can't you can't ch- make changes. You have to get authorization from from the landlord, right. and your money's just out the door. Or if you buy, you can paint it purple with pink dots if you want to. You can you know you I mean there's just there's so much more you can get into with a home, and you have that right off with interest rates, yeah. and you're building your credit because if you rent, rental history is not the same as mortgage history. You know, exactly. so we're really saying right now is a kind of a win-win for both buyers and sellers. If you are renter thinking about buying, 
you're pretty much right on par as long as you can get some maybe concessions from the seller to help buy down your interest rate. Right. You're paying the same amount as you would if you rent. But now you've got the tax write-off. Now you've got the pride of ownership. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, in the other hand, too, is like, you know, like for me, you know, this is this is my field. I do this kind of work all the time. And it's like if I find the house, well, it needs this or it needs that or this, then I turn around. I'm like, okay, well, when we, when we go to present to the other you know, to the seller, I'm like, okay, well, these things need to be either addressed or I need, a, you know, some kind of, you know, a credit. lot credit mm-hmm. for it because I'm going to have to replace it anyway. And the last house I bought had something similar like that too. The AC was, you know, old. Pre- pretty old, had about 16 years on it. And I'm like, it's not going to last and I'm not going to go through it. So I got, I didn't get all of it. I got, I got, I forgot how much I got. I think I got like, $6,000 credit towards it, you know, which wasn't too bad. You know, it cost me, I think 13 to get it replaced. Mm-hmm. And it was a with a brand new unit. So I'm like, I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. And the roof was good. So you can't complain. Roof's good. And you got air conditioning. You're okay in Phoenix. Right. Right. Well, no, I mean, as soon as the, the market really has a voice and um, a lot of times it either, if you're getting activity, then at least you know you're right within the price range. If you're not getting any activity, have a, have a conversation. Um, if you're not getting any offers, that's another conversation. But the market really does speak. And the good thing about Arizona is we've got such a high demand. You know, we're, we're growing still. The, the inskirts are kind of not so much, but the outskirts, if you're driving around the valley, you've seen all these freeways that are coming up and all these new in, in employment centers that are just coming Chandler, Gilbert, um, between I-17 and the 101, and yeah. then out west where that 303 is. Yeah. The 202 loop that continued, that woke up parts of like Levine and Avondale and Tolleson. So there's so much demand here. It just is on pause right now why the, these interest rates come down, unless you have a creative agent and a creative lender who can say, okay, seller, clearly I want to buy. You've raised your hand that you want to sell, but now I'm going to get a little bit of support from you to buy down my rate so that we can afford this. So keep the purchase price where it is, but ask for a concession, buy down your interest rate, and you're going to refinance in five years anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah, this market right now is more for a um, um, a long-term hold as opposed to the flippers. You know, that's really not their model anymore. But And really, the, the market speaks and doesn't really like 7% rates. No. And it doesn't like volatility. So, um, well, if you're in the luxury market, interest rates have, have no concern to you. What you care about is Wall Street. You care about your portfolio. Right. And that's that's twenty percent of all our total sales are, are the kind of luxury market. The other eighty percent closely watch interest rates because that's their payment, you know. So um, and it's interesting how the lenders have to kind of level up and and be more a little more lenient. Your your interest rate factors are your credit score, of course, and then what loan program you're going to go and how much you're going to put down. Your what they call debt to income ratio, you know. So nowadays the banking industry is really strict about who they sign off on. You can't just fog a mirror anymore, and you can't just tell me you're a heart surgeon. <laughs> you know, the, so the stated income, I mean, again, this is what we, this is what we're going through. But at least everything now has the T's that are crossed and the I's that are dotted. So the qualified buyers are 100% qualified. And they, you know that going in. So well, that's good. That's helping. And, um, you know, a, again, with the market, it, it, it's going to ebb and flow, you know, but, um, I think a lot of the buyers today are just kind of, they're they're on the sidelines waiting for interest rates to drop. And as soon as they did, the end of last year, the demands went up, under contracts went up. So we'll start seeing that. Um, I know a lot of people ask, oh, well, what happens in election year? How does that affect the market? Election year is at the fourth quarter. 
And at the fourth quarter, we're always at a seasonal low of inventory. Right. People take their properties off the market. They want to enjoy the holidays. And then the Wall Street people are like, hmm, I'm going to wait till after the election, see who gets voted in and see how much money I'm making. So I'm just going to wait until February. So it doesn't really <laughs> affect the market per se, but everyone has this consumers, you know, what they think about it. So um, in reality, feelings are probably bigger than anything else. Um, what what the social media says and, and what the news says is happens after the fact. It's a lagging indicator, but it helps us because if the consumers say, oh my gosh, I'm seeing, I'm seeing hope, I'm seeing relief in this market, it's great. You can say that. We've already been through it. So thank you. <laughs> You're just helping me now. It's <laughs> amazing. I know. I know. So yeah, we've seen we've seen some creative ways to get people in the market, even though the interest rates are high. Um, it, 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 it's still going to come. We still have demand. We still have people coming from all over the place. Well, I was talking to I was talking to my architect the other day, and he even made a, he made a very good point. He said, if you're and we'll use that nineteen hundred dollars as as an example. Okay. If you're spending nineteen hundred dollars for rent, and you, and you have you can get a mortgage for nineteen hundred, okay. And like I said, it doesn't make a difference because you know that you're going to refi in in five years or seven years or whatever. So it it you have to. I think you have to get beyond the point of thinking, oh my God, the rates now are too high. You know, people don't remember. I remember moving to Arizona in nineteen eighty nine when I was married and we went out and the, the, uh, the interest rates were 10%. And that was back in 1989. And it was like, and you had bragging we, rights at 10. And we thought, yes, exactly right. You <laughs> thought we were, we were doing yeah. great at 10. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, when I bought my, my, my house after I got divorced, uh, it was what I was, I was spending just right around, I think it was right, right around four. Which wasn't, which was, you know, I mean, it was pretty good. I kept trying to hang on. Like, is it going to go down to three? Let's just do four and get it over with. And, you know, I don't want to put myself through that stress. Mm -hmm. You know, just get it done. So, but yeah, again, you know, it, it depends. You got to have the right person at the right time and to understand exactly what you're going through as the buyer so that this way, you know, we could say, it's feasible. It's not feasible. You know, it's just like your, like your stockbroker. You know, if, if they don't think that you, it's a good time to buy, then don't buy. Mm -hmm. Wait. Because mm -hmm. it's just like the weather. It'll change. Right. It'll I'm, change. So. And this this saying has been said now for a while, so forgive me, real estate industry, for even saying it. But for the first time, people have never heard of it before. They're calling it date the rate, marry the house. Date the rate. Because the house you're going to marry, the rate you are not. That's true. So, again, you're hearing it for the first time. We're like, done. Here, this is an old what a, news. But What a classic <laughs> statement to say right after Valentine's Day. See? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Really no, and really, I think you're right because um, people have short-term memory and interest rates getting as low as they were were super crazy. So I think it's demographics and how old the person you're dealing with is is how you have to know how to educate them. You know, so people mm. have been through four recessions and the interest rates being 13 mm. to then 10. I mean, you get down to six and that's golden. Lock me in now forever. Yeah, really. You know, but you're talking to the younger generation, like millennials and that kind of thing. And they, they don't know any recession. They have no idea. They have nothing to compare it to, to even see like. Well, a lot of millennials that we've had here, Mel and I have spoken to on the show, they don't even want to go into a, talk about a, something that's 30 year. They want something short term. So that's why they're attracted to container homes because it's less money and they're able to, they could, I think they could visualize it better 
and and the way they could monetize it out. And they, you know, they they're not going to lock themselves into a thirty year commitment. It's just not going to happen. So. Yeah, they spend their money at the restaurants at Churchill. There you go. All right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a couple of uh, margaritas and or margarita peaches. That's what we had oh, last night. Oh, that was they, good. They were, they were really good. Yeah, that's a fun spot. But um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have more with Shara Terry from Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. So I want everybody to hang tight. We're going to talk a little bit about the custom DIY container home that she was involved with the sale a couple of months ago here in uh in phoenix so i want everybody to stay tuned because you know you think about real estate you think about you know is it block is it stick but when you get into talking about container homes and stuff like that now you're in a in a i like to call it a little specialized unique kind of home which um with the with the owners that were had made this it it sold it had a vision and that's some of the things that we're going to talk about when we come back but you are listening to Boxcar Universe. Don't go away. I'm Mel Alva with Alva Interiors and co-host of Boxcar Universe. As a professional interior designer with over 22 years experience, I'm excited to bring my knowledge to the Boxcar Universe show. As a full service interior design studio, we see your designs from the conceptual phase through to the styling and furnishing of your home. At Alva Interiors, our team approaches every design project with a fashion meets design sense to execute timeless interiors, style that makes a statement. You can find us on the web at alvainteriorsaz.com on Facebook at Alva Interiors AZ, and on Instagram at Alva Interiors. Chances are, when it's time to call a service professional, you need someone right away. Who can you call for those electrical problems fast? The answer is Mr. Electric, a licensed, bonded, and insured company serving the Valley of the Sun since 2000. Some of their residential and commercial services include expert troubleshooting, replacing an outlet, hanging a ceiling fan, or upgrading your electric service, and much more. Rest assured, all work is guaranteed. Call today for your appointment, 480-503-1339. You can find them on the web at phoenixmetro.mrelectric.com. Remember, at Mr. Electric, we have the power to make things better. Hi, I'm Patricia Cara, actor, model, host, and author of my new book, Dream On, Now Deliver. It is my guide to you for success in the entertainment industry. Well, if you are dreaming of a new home, let Boxcar Universe be your success guide for your dream container home or pool. Listen every week to Boxcar Universe. This is Mel Alva, your co-host of Boxcar Universe. With today's trends to live a more sustainable lifestyle, you definitely want to choose a container home builder you can trust. Tailored Container Homes can give you that peace of mind. Taria Shepard, the owner, along with her knowledgeable staff, can guide you through the process of achieving your dream, your own container home. From design to completion, satisfaction is guaranteed. Contact them today at www.tailoredcontainerhomes.com or call 380 nine zero zero 
3809007588. That's 3809007588. All right, we are back, and you're listening to Boxcar Universe. And um, I want to, before we get, continue with Shara Terry from Berkshire Hathaway's uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, we want to give a shout out to uh, Mel because I'm sure the, uh, the listeners who listen every week are like, "Where's Mel?" I mean, they mentioned it before. Well, Mel is when we talk about Mel and Steve on the street. Mel is actually on the street, but she's on. The, she was in the air today, and she was flying to Denver. So we wish her well in her travels, and uh, she should be back with us next week. So um, it's a little chilly up there, and I'm sure. My fact, a friend of mine was up in Denver two weeks ago, and. Uh, one of the things that he said to me, Shara, but when he came back, when he came back because they drove up and drove back, he said, now I know why I live in Arizona. <laughs> That's exactly right. He says, like, you know, and I remember going up to Denver once years ago for um, a seminar. And I went up there and, you know, because they tell you, oh, yeah, it snows, it, but it doesn't stick and it melts right away and this and that. I'm like, okay, so wait a minute. So. Why, when you drive in, this was my question, when you drive into the airport, okay, you see these picket fences along the way when you go up there, and I'm like, they sure look like the fences I remember in Jones Beach in New York that used to, they used to put those up because when the wind blows, it breaks the sand so it doesn't blow the beach away, okay? I said, are they using this for the same reason? Oh, they said, oh, yeah. And I'm like, really? I said, then I thought the snow melted in hours. Why do you need fencing? (laughs) (laughs) It's a barrier. It's a barrier. It's a barrier. But anyway, I I digress. But listen, I just want to make sure I give Mel a shout out. Hope everything's good. Uh, Her and Jack are having a great time up in Denver. So, But let's get back to our discussion. You know, um, one of the things Shara and I actually met when we were talking about uh, this uh, DIY custom container home that actually uh, was sold uh, several years ago. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. So this was a very, very intriguing project. And um, it started with a vision from his children. Jorge Salcido is, the, is one of the builders along with um, Louis, Lou, sorry, Leo, Leo Lanny. And um, the children came up with the concept, they put it to paper, and then they found the land. And so that was kind of the first key element was where do we want to be? Where do we want to build this? So they bought the land, and then he strategically found the different containers. And the purpose of it was to make sure that they had history, they had a story. So he selected containers which had traveled along all the world. And one of them was even stamped in Vietnamese. So he selected the containers, but it wasn't just a normal container house. He thought of it as stacking two on the east side, two on top of each other on the west side, and then traditional framing in the center. So it was a seamless project. It wasn't just a normal container home Mm. that you cut rectangles in and put in a window or put in a sliding glass door. So it was really quite the vision. took them two years to build. Um, Of course, you know, they ran into obstacles, as you would probably imagine. And um, all the looky-loos from the neighbors and the firemen and the policemen were constantly coming in going, what are you doing? What is this? But it was it was really very well thought out, Steve. I mean, even 
even to the point where the the slope of the roof mirrored South Mountain. So it was it was off of South Mountain Avenue, off of Nineteenth um, Avenue, and the the purpose of it was to have beautiful mountain views in your backyard, literally as a backdrop. And then the city lights to the north, like tiers of city lights. Um, so being two story, of course, and the walkout balconies, there was literally not one window you could look out of without a good view. Really? And so it was an amazing, amazing project. He did get energy audits and he got duct testing and the whole works. Um, the first question I asked and many people ask is like, okay, it's a container. It's metal. We're Arizona in the summertime. How hot does it get? See, I mean that. It's your first question, right? Colin, how many times have we brought that right? up on this show, right? People turn around and they say, well, they ask Mel. I mean, it's just like, well, it's hot. How do you it's live metal. in a metal container? I said, and it's uh, obviously looking. Have you ever heard of insulation? Yes. I mean, of course, insulation. And there's a lot of different things now that we've had as guests on the show, and there's stuff out there that probably were, was not available For back sure. then that are now that you don't have to worry about. It. One, I was talking to a gentleman this morning about, okay, we've had um, the gentleman who actually created green cork products. And what it is, it's sprayed on just like he would spray your, you know, your house, your exterior of your house with paint. It's only like a 16th of an inch thick. It does. It's so good of an insulator. It, they call it, it's like a radiant barrier. Yes. Okay. It's doesn't even have an R value. It's that good. I mean, you could spray the outside of the container. And if you like the corrugated look and you'd gain not just an aesthetic look, but you'd also gain a great insulating value by doing this. And then whatever you want to do on the inside, it'd be a plus. Right. Well, this this project was literally containers, um, but it was the inside insulation they used. And they used like an aluminum woven material that was a barrier and it would radiate the heat outward because mm -hmm. he really wanted the containers to be on the outside. Sure. And then he left little slight reminders of the inside where the containers kind of stopped and started because, again, it was really seamless. Right. Um, well, really, really well thought out. Um, the first idea that we had when we talked about it, I'm like, okay. We need to literally bring the market to the property, not the property to the market. And what I mean by that is we need to get people to the house, not just put an MLS and wait for them to come to me. So when we first took it, um, the listing, I really spent a lot of time um, looking at who, who we could get out there. How can we bring the market to the property? So we literally had news channels doing live feeds from there. Um, Jorge was the host. He's such a great man because he was the one who was visionary. So we had several, several news channels out there um, running it in the mornings and in the afternoons and in the weekends. Um, we had HG out there quite a few times, YouTube videos. I mean, everyone, it was like the talk of the town. We had inquiries from all over the world, let alone just Arizona. And I think the sticking point was how do you get financing? So from, from day one, I was on the phone trying to find news channels that can go out there and film it. And then my next phone calls were going to be talking to every single lender I possibly knew and getting referrals. How can we get, how can we get this project financed? Because every buyer is going to be like, I love it. I just don't know that I want to be the first. And then if I have to resell it, then I'm going to rely on another buyer who's cash. So that reduces your buyer pool, sure. of course. So finances, I mean, people are like, yeah, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. And they're like, oh, no, I can't find anything to appraise it. But exactly. They have nothing. Do you just, find there's anything? no comparables. No, no, not even close. And so um, it was kind of a long, a long journey, but um, they were, they were patient with me and I was patient with them. And I, I was so, was sold on the project itself. It was so unique. And again, everyone who came out there did, 
jaw dropped because you will never see it again. They, there's still not another one out there um, that has this type of, of traditional framing inside. Sure. He even used um, one of the containers that was on the lower west end. He pre-plumbed for a kitchen. So it could literally be um, in-law quarters. It could be a studio. You could rent it out, Airbnb. It had its separate entrance. And the, the bleachers that stepped up to the container um, from that separate entrance were from ASU. So, I mean, a lot of just so much history. It was like just the right. story of this of this property. So, luckily, um, we did get a few offers, but the lending situation kind of held our hands. And then we finally got a lender who would be willing to finance it. And we closed in 2021 to an awesome buyer. All right. No, I remember, um, you know, throughout the years since we started doing Boxcar Universe that, you know, that was a sticking point with people, you know, like, how, where do you get financing? Until finally, I came across this company in um, Florida that actually does container home financing, but he does he does it everywhere. Okay, not just in Florida; he does it all over the country. And in fact, we had a really great discussion once, and he said that um, some people had called him the. Uh, Godfather of container home mortgages. <laughs> and it was where like, were you in 2018? <laughs> yeah, right. Where home? were you back <laughs> then? Oh, yeah, I searched high and low, but I'm sure. I'm sure now they're probably out there more and more because, like you said, it's getting it's getting more and more popular. And, and for them, though, um, it's a little bit of a different project than the people who are just looking for the tiny home and the container, you know, low budget kind of living. Right. This this wasn't cheap to build. You know, and you had to secure the the land too. Where I know a lot of others, you you go a kind of a construction loan where the land is maybe has a house there already, and then you add the containers to it. They had to start from scratch. So permitting and all that took a little bit longer. But um, yeah, it's still it's still something. I still get calls. I mean, we found each other all yeah. these years later, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the one thing that um, I found was that people that were looking to do something like that back then, the city wasn't as like I don't want to say that they're f friendly to this kind of build because years ago they looked at it and they said, what? With container builds? What are you talking about? Because getting a permit or even getting an architect to draw something like that was like, you know, foreign. unheard of. It yeah. was foreign. Mm -hmm. It was foreign. Now it's much more widely accepted, especially when the city Recently, this year, turned around and said, uh, actually, it was end of last year, they turned around and, and they were more conducive to have a second primary dwelling on your property along with your primary residence. So you can have a VRBO on there and you can be a container or a stick build now. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's so important. How much did the house sell for when it sold? So it sold for 485000 again, with financing. And that was in twenty. Actually, just about uh, three years ago. Three years ago, February twenty twenty one. Okay, so yeah, so for I can imagine what it what it's appraised for now. You know, three three years. Hopefully, it appraised pretty well. Right, and I mean, again, it was very livable and very seamless. I mean, they they took a lot of time and thought into how to prepare it with the city views, with the mountain views, and the location was. Wonderful with views. Um, a lot of the kickback too was as an older neighborhood that you passed through the older neighborhood to get to the new, you know. So there was kind of a lot of the and obviously objection. There, there was no HOA. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I can see it now. No, I mean, but oh yeah. my god, they're building a <laughs> container home. 
Well, actually, it raised value for everybody down there, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. See, that's what happens. You know, you get well. You know, like the the you know I it, you know there's a there's a there's a purpose for for HOAs. However, a lot of times, you know, you have people that that are on the board that are just looking to hey, I'm on the HOA board now, and I'm like I love to affectionately call them the HOA police. Because they have nothing better to do down that did walk past your property and say that your grass is a half inch too long. We're going to send you a, you know, we're going to send you a notice. Get it taken care of or you're going to get a fine. I mean, it, it is, it, and it's amazing that even presenting, and, and other stuff that I've, I've looked at that had to do with repairs. And the HOA says, no, 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 this is your fault. It's a window in your property. And meanwhile, have the home inspector go out. We did infrared. And we showed where the water was coming up from upstairs. The deck upstairs was coming down, destroying her wall and everything else. And we proved that it was a building issue, not a homeowner issue. And they still, they just like, like didn't even, they, they didn't even recognize it. They just took the other way and they said, no, nope, it's, 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 it's your fault. You're going to do it. And they're giving her grief. And she wants to sell a home to leave. She wants to go with her family in North Carolina and she can't get out from underneath it. Are you talking condo? Yeah. Yeah, that's different. Than yeah, a it's, family. yeah, it's yeah. a condo. So mm-hmm. it, it's really crazy. I know. I know. Why did why did the they they decide to sell the home once it was all built and it was had so much history built into it? Originally, he was going to live in it, and then he decided that he wanted to make it maybe a project because he's a constructor, he's a builder himself, and and he and Leo, his partner, have they still have. Um, permits and and they've got a license to to build and so they're they're doing other projects so along the lines he's decided to go ahead and sell it and um you know didn't know it was going to take the the two years it did to even build but once it finally did then his vision kind of changed now their model is they're doing custom homes in Sedona and that kind of a thing so it was just his baby you know and I think after a while he's like okay I think I'm ready to sell it and just kind of move on so yeah yeah. it's like a feather in your cap Mm mm-hmm well, yeah. it was, like I said, in the very beginning, it was the vision that was just an idea, a concept. And then that went to pen and paper, and then that went into architecture plans, and then it went into reality. So, um, yeah, a lot of his blood, sweat, and tears, but um, I think he was he was ready to move on from it. I think it was unique that he just didn't go out and get, like, four brand new or one-time use containers that he found yeah. felt that it was necessary to go out and find containers that were more than likely in good shape, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that had been around the world. Exactly. You know, which was which was pretty, pretty amazing. It and made then, up for the story. Yeah, yeah. It made up for the story. So did you know, with in Arizona, because you've got a lot of real estate history in certain areas, downtown Phoenix, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there is a lot of different areas that have a lot of historical uh history Mm -hmm. and for them to build something like this to to actually create new history like that it's probably and probably it's it's the only one here it's the only one here i think about that too state that's a good point because i thought about if you were to pick this project up and put it in downtown what would that price tag be or pick it up and put it in old town scottsdale oh yeah what would that be we'd be in six we, we we'd be in in seven figures yeah definitely absolutely absolutely it's just amazing so, yeah, it was a fun project, though, and um, I have to say everyone who came to see it was just like, I've never seen anything like it before. You know, it's, you know, it, it was... It, it was, was an honor. A, it was it was great, and it, obviously, I'm sure that um, being able to go through that was um, 
a work in progress for you, not to mention a, a great, tremendous learning experience. Exactly. And I think my whole thing, to be honest with you, was I wanted him to showcase his vision. So I was never in any of the videos. I was not the, the one speaking. I wanted him, his vision, his blood, sweat, and tears, his concept. I wanted him to be featured Yeah. Um, because he can speak to it better than I can as a listing agent. But I could, I could tell the passion he had in his eyes when he would do every single interview. Yeah. And uh, it was definitely his baby. Well, that's yeah. right. You know, and you could tell people when they, when they, when it's their passion, because you could, you could, like you say, mm -hmm. you could see it in their eyes and you see it in their face and it, it's so very important, but, uh, it had to be for him to get that done and, and being his whole family was involved in that and what they created, it had to be so gratifying. Just how long did they live in it before they decided to sell it? Well, he lived in it when, when they were building it, when it was able when to was live in built. it. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So he was there still doing the final touches, and they created a website. And so a lot of people, they would get inquiries with this website. He would direct a lot of them to me if I if I created a, a conversation with regarding selling it. Um, so I'm sure he, you know, the recognition that he got of being the first one was was pretty big. Am I allowed to give the address or the website, or is that not? No, you could do that. Go ahead. Okay. So the address is 2753 East South Mountain Avenue. Phoenix, Arizona, 85042. And he has a website called Gold Container Home. Gold Container Gold Home. Gold Container Home. And you'll see a lot of the pictures there. I've kept all the pictures there. I labeled every single one so you would kind of see within the walls what he did, you know, with the Wi-Fi, with the, there's an electric charger in the garage. He was just kind of ahead of his time. Yeah. You know? It sounds like and it. No, it really was. So I was, uh, again, it was an honor to be a part of this project and- Glad to see it go to fruition and glad to see it go to a buyer who really appreciates it. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that thrilled. that was important to do because I would, if, if I put that kind of blood, sweat, and tears into right. it, that I would want, I wouldn't just sell it to anybody. Right. And it wasn't, and it would, it, it had to be not just the money issue. You're connected. You, yeah. Yeah. You're you know? connected. I remember, mm -hmm. I remember one of my, one of my things on my bucket list that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to build, build my own house. And when I had an opportunity to do that, I mean, I, you know, it was, I, I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in the house myself, even though I had a, a subcontractors mm -hmm. are building it. But I was, I was the project manager. Mm -hmm. I was the owner. Mm -hmm. And I made sure that if I didn't see anything, you know, no, got to fix that. That doesn't, that got to fly for me. Right. And, but to be able to go do that, once it was all done, it was, it was a very gratifying feeling. Absolutely. To be able to do that. In fact, now, I mean, the house is sold and, you know, we sold the house way back in uh, 2017 when I got divorced. And now I drive by that house and I look at it and they, they don't take care of it. Oh. Just the outside, like I used to do. And I was like, it it kills me to mm -hmm. see it. I'm like, if the outside looks like that, what does the inside look like? Because I had, I had, you know, stained concrete floors throughout, mm -hmm. except where we had rugs in certain of the bedrooms, you know. And um, I had a lot of custom things that I had built in there, a fountain on the inside of the house and all this. And I can imagine what this house looks like on the inside. If they don't even take care of that, because, you know, I was, I was, you know, for those of you out, out in the valley, you know, who wonder why, when it rains, I always get this grass comes up through the gravel. Well, you know, I got, it was the first house I ever had to, you know, um, gra gravel outside, you know, and a hardscape. I had to make sure that like a day or two before, or hours before, sometimes before a rainstorm, that I went out there and rolled out my pre-emergent, so that when it rained, the pre-emergent sunk into the ground and killed any chance of roots coming up 
from the gravel. I don't think they even know the word. Well, it's the best time to pull a weed is when it's soaking. Well, we can. Yeah. just come right up on the root and everything. And, and, and I, had, I learned that in a very hard way, too, because the first time I, I did it, I couldn't believe it. And I, it got a little ahead of me when I first moved in the house. I'm like, oh, what are, I, I can't hit this with, you know. God, Thank God I didn't use Roundup. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be. Otherwise, podcast. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd no. I'd be doing that 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 um, class action lawsuit. (laughs) Oh my God! I've been using Roundup. I can't get me help. No, but seriously, I the only way I had rid of it and got it under control, I had to take a weed whacker and I weed whacked it down to the ground, and then it burned off from the sun. Oh yeah. And that was the only way to get it out. And then any whatever weeds didn't blow away, I just picked out and said, never, ever let that happen again. So all you homeowners out there, you know, who think that, oh, I put black, I put black plastic down before I put the, the, the gravel on top of it. Take it from me. You'll get you'll get grass through there somewhere. Water will always find its way and yeah. grass and weeds will continue. And That's truly, the, the curb appeal is the face. Yeah. It's the face of meeting a person. So think about it that way. And you're absolutely right. right. If if the face has a scowl on it, probably their heart is a little dark too. That's right. So, So, but anyway, so Shara, tell our listeners how they could contact you. Well, I am available um, on an email, which is Shara, S-H-A-R-A, at sharaterry.com. Last name spelled T as in Tom, E-R-R-Y. Phone number is 602-692-0538. You can literally Google me, and there's not a lot of people named Shara in the world, so that's kind of my benefit of having a unique name. But I do have two first names, so make sure the Terry is the last name. That's the right. <laughs> oh, yeah. When they first saw it, it was like, well, wait a minute. Is that is that like middle name, or where's the last name? You know? I know. I know. It's it's uh, it's two first names, and I've, I've, yeah, I have to explain it every time. Well, but. that makes you special. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, love it. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right. That was Shara Terry from uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and uh, she is a wealth of knowledge. And uh, we want to thank all our listeners for listening to Boxcar Universe. Remember, we are your source for cutting-edge information on container homes and container pools. So let Mel and I design and build your next dream container home. Our email contact information is boxcarliving at gmail.com. Also, steve at boxcaruniverse.com. Make sure you check out our Facebook and Instagram pages for you know, the Steve on the street segment for the Churchill and uh boxcar universe can be heard on any podcast player. And remember, let us containerize your lifestyle. Have a great weekend. You're a great American. I love you. 